Father in heaven, we thank you for joining us together again unto yourself. Accept our thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. We thank you because everyone in this place will move forward in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, because of what you are doing in every life, that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of man. Honor, glory, dominion, and majesty we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Praise the name of the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Last, um, last um, week, and in fact, like three weeks ago now, we, we started a series called Engineering Your Dreams. Engineering Your Dreams. And, and we started by looking at and challenging us to, to dare to dream again. So three weeks ago, we looked at part one, and, and, and that part one was dare to dream again. And in part two, we, we, we talked about waiting. And, and we, we explained that waiting can be unsettling, that, that waiting time can be painful time. We, we said that waiting time can be agonizing time. But we explained that waiting time is not wasted time. We explained that even though waiting time is painful time, waiting time is not wasted time. Wasted, waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time, we said, is pondering time. We explained the four Ps of waiting. It's pondering time. We said waiting time is not wasted time. We said waiting time is prayer time. We said wasting time, waiting time is not wasted time. That waiting time is people time. And number four, we said waiting time is not wasted time. That waiting time is preparation. I was a preparation. Preparation time. And we went on to say that pondering matures the vision in us. When we, when we ponder on the vision, it matures the vision inside of us. And praying, we said, praying paves way for God to work. We also said that people propel us further faster. People propel us further faster. And, and, and we said that preparation matures us for the vision. Last week, we looked at the big how. I was at the big how. We looked at the big how. And you see, the big how, it's, it's a major, can be a major challenge for, uh, for dreamers, for visioners, for, for people that have a big, big vision for their, for their for their destiny. Why? Because how is, is, um, is like a puzzle. And if it's not handled properly, the, the vision, we said, can be howled to death. Can be howled to death. The vision can be howled to death. 
We explained that we need to plan. And planning, we must. But we should plan all we can. We will realize that a divine vision will require a divine intervention. A divine vision will require what? A divine intervention. Praise the Lord. Now, if you've missed this series, please get the CD. Please get the CD. Or you can get the MP3 for free on the internet also for free. Plan all you can. Plan all you can. You will discover that a divine vision requires what? A divine intervention. And, and we run it up last week by saying, while the big how is outside of our jurisdiction, while God can bring about the big how outside of our planning, that God doesn't bring about the big how outside of our faithfulness. The big how can happen outside of our planning, but the big how cannot happen outside of our, of our faithfulness. Praise the name of the Lord. And today, we bring season one of Engineering Your Dreams um, to an end. Season one. You know, there's still so much, but we need to um, move on, you know. Um, next week is our Thanksgiving service, praise the name of the Lord. And the week after that is our God to do again service. Then we enter um, another series and, you know, um, so we'll come back to season two of Engineering Your Dreams. And, and um, as, which is why I've taken my time to go through, you know, like a big picture of all we have learned for the past uh, uh, three weeks. And um, today we are looking at making it work. As they're making it work. You see, we need to understand that God, that there is a God. And God exists. And there is a place called heaven. I was a heaven. There's a place called heaven. Why are you laughing? <laughs> okay, let me test if you can spell heaven. <laughs> heaven is H E. I just I just want to test if you can spell it. Then A. A. Then V. V. Then e. Then e. Good. <laughs> you know when you're a teacher, you get stuck. You put it back at its <laughs> at its students. <laughs> it's part of the trade secrets of teachers. Now, there's a place called heaven. And heaven is real. The Bible says that whosoever comes to God must believe that he is. And is a rewarder of those that what? 
diligently seek him. So you, if coming to God, you must believe that God is God exists. There's a place called heaven. There's a place called what? And that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's where the throne of God is. You heard the testimony of um, one of, I don't even feel maybe I should call him a teenager, that, that transitioning into the adulthood of this. When he said, God said to him, to say to his friend, to dip his eyes inside water, I mean some of some people say, oh, Akika. Akika is like Fabu, you know. But you see, your skepticism does not dethrone God. It doesn't dethrone God. God is God. And God is. And God exists. And God that is and exists speaks. Praise the Lord. God that is and exists speaks. And you see, if man, like you said time and time again, if man can send data from his phone to his um, laptop via Bluetooth and you see the file moving, you don't see the file actually, but you see the progress on the phone, and, you know, and it goes from the phone to the laptop and you receive it on the laptop and you open it and the file is intact, if man can do that, why can't God send me a packet from heaven? And I will receive it. Praise the name of the Lord. God can. And he does. You see, and, and to bring this series to a close, I mean, um, um, you know, waiting on God and, you know, just, just, you know, being with him and, you know, just, you know, working and talking about many things. Believe it or not, God told me to tell you something this morning. Praise the Lord. And the first thing to make it work that the Holy Spirit said I should tell you that I believe you is first thing. There are four things. The first thing is no matter how your day started, it is not a determinant of how the day will end. God says, I should say to someone here, Thus says the Lord. People believe that one more. Let me shake my... Maybe that will be more impactful. How your day started does not determine how it will end. Some of us are, are overly concerned. We are overly agitated because our day has not started right. And that day could mean the year started with a bump. Or, or your marriage did not start right. Or, or your education did not start right. Or, or your business did not start right. Or your, whatever your day is has not started right. And you are scared and you are confused. And God is saying, I should say to you today that the fact that your day has not started and did not start right does not mean that your end will not end well. In fact, you will end well. In the name of Jesus. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. The two most important parts of, of, of any 
at a venture is the beginning and the end. The pilots will tell you that the most crucial part of flying is takeoff and landing. That's why that's why you say fatten your seatbelt, say put up your chair upright. They'll show you some scary things. If this thing if this thing collapses, you know, you can your life jacket is under your seat. I say I cancel that to Jesus. <laughs> it's not going to collapse. <laughs> now, the beginning and the end are crucial, no doubt. God introduced himself to John in the island of Patmos. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the, and the ending. So, starting is good, but finishing is better. How you start is good, but how you finish is better. And guess what? Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8 says, Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. The KJV says, the beginning of the end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof. Some of us are going through so much storm. Listen, you will look back at this day and you will smile. And there are some people sitting beside you already that they've passed through that thing and they are are nodding and like, Pastor, is it true? Tell them, tell them, it's true. I remember those days when I thought God has forgotten me. But now it's history. Praise the name of the Lord. So the, the first thing I'm to herald this morning is that how your day started does not determine how it will end. And that is quite sobering because, I mean, regardless, if your day started poorly, it means that there is hope and God is giving you hope and assurance this morning that the end will be better. If your day started well, it's also sobering because it means don't relax. Don't relax because the beginning does not necessarily determine the end. So the fact that you started uh, well in your business, don't sleep. Some people say, oh, fasting is for people that have problems in their business or in their lives. Let them be fasting. We, we don't have problems. You know, my grandmother used to say, like I said to you, fast so that you don't have to fast. Fast so that you don't have to fast. It's a sobering thing because the fact that you have begun well, for instance, this year has begun well for a lot of people, and praise God for that. The fact that you have begun well is not a determinant of how the ending will be. But we know that Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning. And so if he has begun well with you, you can trust him to end well and even better with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So no matter how you start, you must learn to endure. You must learn to endure. You must learn to persevere. You must learn to persevere. You must be consistently diligent. Consistently diligent. And one way 
to learn endurance, to, to be consistent from the beginning to the end. It's through the word of God. It's through the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 160. Psalm 119, verse 160 says that your word is true from the beginning and every one of your righteous judgment endures forever. You know, the word of God is true from the beginning and endures to the end. So for me to be consistent, I must hold his word from the beginning and hang on to that word to the end. Praise the name of the Lord. I must hold his word and hang on to it to the end. Unfortunately, human beings sometimes Many of us are just damn lazy. That's all. We're just lazy. A small respite. And we just begin to loaf. We begin to faff around. We begin to, you know. I told you about um, my friend that said to me that, oh, then maybe beginning from last year, said to me that beginning from this year, you know, I will see him in church. You know. And you know, and at the what night service, he was there. He came to me. He said, I told you, I told you that I'm coming this year. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Many times when God gives us respite, instead of us to be proactive and cons- be consistent, we just Relax. And the Bible says, while men slept, the enemy does not sleep. He's looking for when you are sleeping so that he can come and sow tears. And I'm praying today that every tear that has been sown in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances, in our destinies will be terminated. (coughs) The soil of our lives will not be conducive to every seed of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So, the good news for you today is how the life of Job was described in Job 42, verse 12. Job 42, 12. The word of God says, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. No matter how good your beginning has been, God will bless your end more than your beginning. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Just don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. It's not only the sloth that is lazy. It's a lazy animal. The snail is also a very lazy animal. It's not only slow for nothing. The snail, scientists say that this, a snail can sleep for three years. Three human years. Maybe that's just three hours. Three snail hours. <laughs> because, you know, different creatures have different timings. With God, 
A day is like what? A thousand years. But a snail can sleep for three hours. Just enter that shell and snooze. God is warning somebody here very urgently. You have slept enough. You have what? Slept enough. So how your day began does not determine how it will end. That's number one. I said how many things? Four things. Number two, you need to develop a thick skin and a soft heart. I always say thick skin and a soft heart. You see, pain is inevitable. You will hurt, and I assure you, you will hurt badly. But don't get hardened. Don't get hardened. Learn to develop a thick skin and a soft heart, not a converse. You see, many people, when they go through stuff, they develop a hard heart and a thin skin. A thin skin, any small thing irritates them. They are suspicious of everybody. Even people that mean well, they are suspicious. They have a thin skin. But they have a hard heart because they still remember what that person did on the, at 12 p.m. on the 15th of February in 1977. God is saying, for you to make it work, for you to make this, this dream work, you must develop a thick skin and a soft heart. Let things happen and bounce off your skin. Let, let them not mean anything to you. Don't be hypersensitive. And a soft heart. Why? Because your heart is your most important Assets with God. Your heart. When the heart is polluted, there's a problem. Why? Because you see everything in the color of your heart. In the filter of your heart. Out of your heart flows the issues of life. How you respond to issues. It's out of your heart. So God is saying, for this thing to work, you need to develop a thick skin and a a soft heart. A soft heart. They are criticizing you. So what? So what? So what? You should be, you should be worried if people are criticizing you. You should be worried if they are not criticizing you. Think about that. So pain is the constant companion of dreamers. What is the constant companion of dreamers? Pain. Pain is a constant companion of dreamers. And I can go from scripture, from Genesis, from Abel, to Joseph, to David, to Daniel, to Jeremiah, to James, to John, to Peter, to Paul, to Jesus. Pain is a constant companion of dreamers. If you are to dream and you are to engineer your dream and bring it to fruition, you must be accustomed to pain. Let me, re- let me rephrase that. You must be comfortable in spite of the pain. You know, there are two different things. <laughs> when you are accustomed to pain, it means that 
you, can, you are norm. But I'm not talking about being numb. I mean, in spite of the pain, you are able to function. Praise the name of the Lord. Because people will criticize you. People will, your best intentions will be, will be read as a bad heart. People will call you names. People will lie against you. People will hook up stories. But guess what? That's the portion of the dreamer. You can't respond to everything. You will kill yourself. You can't. Some of us make it our duty to respond to everything. Just kill yourself for nothing. Why? Because pain is the companion of who? Now you're saying, oh, but Pastor, I'm a dreamer, but I, don't, I can't relate to this. I really don't have pain. It's okay. Buy the CD and keep it for the future. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you see, the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you, like uh, Craig Groeschel said, is to be obsessed with what people think about you. That's the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you, is to be obsessed about what people think about you. When you're obsessed about what people think about you, you forget who you are. You are, you are concerned. You want to make a point. You want to answer back. You want to... This is not important. As long as you are doing what God has called you to do. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord, everyone say, but the Lord, comes to rescue each time. Come to the rescue each time. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Praise the name of So number one, how your day started does not what? Determine how it ends. Number two, develop a thick skin and a soft heart. Number three, make the kingdom of God priority. Make the kingdom of God priority. Make the kingdom of God priority. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 says, so don't worry about these things. Talking about what to wear, what to eat, the car to drive, uh, and all that. Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? How will we pay the children's school fees? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, for a believer, these things are not supposed to dominate your thoughts. Say, wow, so what should dominate my thoughts then? But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. What should dominate your thoughts? Seek first. Everybody say, seek first. You seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. How many things? Everything you need. So make the kingdom priority. How do I check? You know, litmus check if the kingdom is priority. It's simple. If the topmost priority for my dream 
it's not Jesus' topmost priority for that dream. I need to repent. Let's say I have a business. Started. I've gone. They've prayed over the business. Things are moving. If my toughest priority is, oh, then I will build a bigger house. I will drive a bigger car. I will marry me another wife. I will. If that is your toughest priority, I can assure you why God doesn't really mind. I don't want to say care, but he does care. But he doesn't really mind if you live in a bigger house or drive a bigger car or a smaller car. He doesn't mind. Why those ones are not the issues? If that is your bus stop, something is wrong. There's a bigger picture. Praise the name of the Lord. There's a bigger picture. God says to the Jews, after you have eaten and you are full, then you will remember the Lord, your God. So God is saying, don't worry, you will eat and you will be full. That's not the issue. But don't make eating and being full the primary thing. Don't make me, oh, my, and my, 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 my daughters, and my sons, and, you know, and their grandchildren. It's a bigger picture. Praise the name of the Lord. And it's called the kingdom. I was the kingdom. Number four. So, number one, how your day started does not determine how it will end. Number two, develop a thick skin and a, a soft heart. Number three, make the kingdom priority. And number four, engage the supernatural. Engage the what? The supernatural. For that vision to come to fruition, for that dream to come to fruition, you need to engage the supernatural. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 to 19. Matthew 16, 18 to 19. The word of God says, Now I say to you, that you are Peter, which means the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Wow. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You see, the truth is that you cannot divorce the church from the supernatural. You cannot. The church was given, the birth of the church was a supernatural thing. You cannot. So, when you come to church, expect the supernatural. Praise the name of the Lord. When we're waiting for God, or we're waiting on God on the God service, what are we expecting? The supernatural. Expect it. We, we expect the supernatural. Um, I was watching an interview of, um, you know, this Mount Zion film thing. The, the owner, um, well, the lead guy, 
um, what's his name? Magbangwe. So they were intervening him that, okay, you have a great thing going here. I mean, there is a, um, you are teaching real values. But why is it that there are always demons in your program? Are you focused on demons? And the guy says, did you see Jesus there too? Why are you focused on the demons? <laughs> That's number one. Number two, who prevailed at the end? Jesus. Number three, any Christian experience, in his own words, any like drama that does not depict the supernatural, he says it's a word, a kerikeri. <laughs> I don't know what kerikeri means. I'm quoting him, so I'm quoting what he said. So I will interpret it. A kerikeri means... A comedy. Christians that don't engage the supernatural power of God are a joke to the society. I joke. You, you hear back to Jesus' testimony. He said to his friend, Hey, Oga, something can happen here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And of course, it is, it, is, it is strange that we have churches that don't want to talk about the power of God. Don't want to talk about the supernatural because the supernatural can be, you are not in control. You see? It takes it out of your control. God is in control and anything can happen. But pastors usually like to be in charge. So a church without the supernatural Hmm. Is that what I carry, carry? Praise the Lord. <laughs> the supernatural. And God said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted in you will be rooted up. Yeah. And things begin to get rooted up. And you have to realize that your business is an extension of the kingdom. Your career is an extension of what? Of the kingdom. So expect resistance from hell. Expect it. But above that, expect victory through Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Expect the victory. Why? Because Jesus says, I will build my church. See your business as an extension of, your, of his kingdom. Your family as an extension of the kingdom. Everything that you, God is doing through you as an extension of the kingdom, not just this church physically. And he says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Regardless of their size, their weight, their hierarchy, all the powers of hell will not conquer the church. Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus is saying that, hey, Peter, you are here. Peter, look at Peter. Peter, you are here. God is saying, I, God, will give you, Peter, 
keys. Praise the name of the Lord. Of the kingdom. This is very simple. If you get it, your life will change forever. I will give you keys for the kingdom. Why? Because this world has situations that are waiting for your instruction. So Peter, this is a tough cookie right here. Whatever you allow on earth shall be what? Allowed. In heaven. Peter, whatever you forbid on earth shall be what? Forbidding. In heaven. Now, it all starts with Peter getting the keys. Now, the keys, that's what Jesus came to deliver for us on the cross of Calvary with his life. Shedding his blood. Praise the name of the Lord. Many of us are saved. We have the keys. And we are facing situations. And we are saying, God, forbid this thing to happen. And God is saying, you forbid it to happen. Praise the name of Allah. Once you forbid it, it will be forbidden in heaven. There are things you want to happen. You are saying, God, I need you to allow this thing to happen. God is saying, no, you allow it to happen. Once you allow it to happen, it will be allowed in, in heaven. For the dream to happen, you have to allow it to happen. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow. So, I am not my, the, the, the destiny that God has for me, I'm not just sitting as a puppet waiting for heaven to, to release stuff. Heaven has released the keys. You go and make it happen. That's what God is saying. You go and make it happen. Go and knock on that door. If it doesn't open, break it down. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Break it down. There's a pattern that is going on. You stop it. If it doesn't stop, shoot it down. You see, see, that's why if you don't understand the church, the nature of the church, you will... I was reading some article online and the the person I was writing was a believer and she was saying that, oh, a lot of the things that Christians are doing are not scriptural. And I laughed. You know why I laughed? Uh, I said... uh, you know what that means? That means you're just a child. Many things that have not happened is because God is waiting for you and I to make them happen. Hmm. We'll continue in season two. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you. If you are here, you have never given your life to Jesus. You don't have the keys. That explains why you are frustrated. You don't have the keys. Or you used to be saved, but you've thrown away your keys. You're vaccinated. And I say, Pastor, I, I, I am ready now. I want to accept Jesus. I want my keys. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. I want to pray with you wherever you are. I have never accepted Christ. But I want Jesus to come into my heart. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray for everyone that has surrendered to you. We ask, Father, according to your word, that you embrace and receive them into your kingdom in the mighty name of Jesus. That the access they need to the keys of the kingdom, you release unto them. Change their lives totally and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. We pray for everyone, Lord. We ask that the dreams and the visions that you have put in our hearts, that the enablement to bring it to pass, that you give unto us. Thank you for giving it unto us. The will to make it happen that you will impart it to us. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Amen. Praise the Lord.